From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 163, and today I'm by myself. I am doing the Godzilla Showa era series, which comprises of 15 films, and this will be part one of a two-part series. Uh, This episode will comprise of the films covering Godzilla, Godzilla Raids Again, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Invasion of Astro Monster, and last but not least, Ibera Horror of the Deep. You may have noticed, if you're a fan of the podcast, that I've done a previous Godzilla episode as well as a Godzilla Raids Again. I'm going to cover those very briefly. And one of them, actually, I am not by myself. I have a surprise guest with me, my son, Ephraim. So stick around, because I'm about to watch a lot of Godzilla films. So we're sitting down to watch the original Godzilla. I'm Jeremy. I'm Ephraim. Uh, And as I mentioned in the preamble, I've already seen this movie, and we actually have already done this in the podcast, but I thought it'd be interesting as I dive into this entire box set to revisit this with my son Ephraim, who has never watched any Godzilla movies, right? Nope. Not even any of the new ones? Nope. So what do you know about Godzilla? He's a giant monster. He's a giant monster. What else do you know? Where does it take place? Japan. Great. And there's all these other, like... There's all these other monsters. Yeah, those not in this movie. Oh, just Godzilla. I shouldn't have ruined that. Sorry. Spoiler, this one's just Godzilla as the only monster. Okay. But I knew that there was other monsters. Yeah, because the later ones are like Godzilla versus this and Godzilla versus that, and right? Godzilla versus Mothia. Mothra, yeah, and all those kind of things. So uh, do you know anything about like the era, about the time, and what's going on in Japan at this time? Nope. I'm not going to say anything then because it's really... What's really cool about this movie, and we'll get into it more when we talk after, is uh, it's not just a silly monster movie with a guy in like a suit. Like it's really speaking to the fears of what was going on in Japan at that time. So as much as it is a big silly monster movie, there's actually a lot going on. So I'm kind of curious to just have that discussion with you after, but I don't want right. to kind of preamble it too much. What, what are you thinking? What are you expecting from this movie? Um... I'm not sure. Do you think it's going to be pretty cheesy? Yeah. The effects and whatnot? Yeah. Here's the the only thing I want you to keep in mind while you're watching it. I mean, I think I told you the other day how this is a movie that really inspired George Lucas, right? And how he did, like, the miniatures on Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But what I want you to keep in mind is a lot of the techniques that are in this movie, they've invented to make this movie, Right. right? So it's like... 
you know, watch it with that point of view that like, you know, not only is this really early on for effects, they're pioneering and creating a lot of this stuff. Right. So I want with that in mind, I'd be curious to know what you think about the effects after. Uh, anything else before we just jump in? Um, Are you excited or do you think this is going to be boring? I'm excited. You're excited? I'm excited to watch. Oh, I love watching cheesy movies. <laughs> I, I love watching cheesy 50s movies. Great. Well, uh, this Wait, one. What, what year is this? This is 1954. Yes. Here's here's a fun fact that doesn't ruin anything. What? Uh, because you've seen this movie. This was made by the same studio and the same year as Seven Samurai. Really? And because in these and this was the most expensive movie in Japan at the time, and they just beat Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai finished just before it. Seven Samurai was the most expensive Japanese film, and then this one beat it just by a hair. <laughs> and then Kurosawa went back and beat them again later on. They went back and forth for a bit. But because of that, it was the same studio. These two movies almost bankrupted the studio. If they, but luckily they both did very well, <gasps> and so it was fine. But like for the studio to pay for both of those movies at once, it was a lot. Anyway, fun, fun little nerd fact because you're because yeah. you've seen uh, Seven Samurai. All right, we'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished Godzilla. Godzilla. And what'd you think? It was good. Yeah, were you surprised? Yeah, I thought it was gonna be way more cheesy. What were you surprised about? Like what was the kind of thing that as you were watching you were thinking? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You don't know? Yeah, I'm not sure. But overall what'd you think of the story? It was good. Do you understand the context of what's going on in the history? So we're just Japan's just coming out of World War. Two. Two, and there was a lot of uh, hydrogen bomb testing. Yeah. And so this movie, is, it's kind of like similar to how uh, the zombie movies are used to kind of reflect American culture at the time. They're using Godzilla here to reflect kind of what's going on, the fears of the Japanese citizens and what's going on with them, but they're, they're trying to do it in a way that seems fun, right? Because yeah. if you just made a movie about like H-bomb testing, do you think people are going to go out and see it back then? Right no. after the war? No, but make a, but a movie about a giant monster destroying a city? Yeah. Yeah, so you can wrap that, but you can wrap that around a moral that you want people to take away. And, and, then, and, then, you, and then you figure out that, it, that it's a giant, and then the monster is a giant H-bomb. But that's just it. It's like, that, that, that's a way to get Japan to talk about uh, radiation and nuclear testing and all that kind of stuff by putting it into a monster movie. You know, if they just made a straight movie about the fallout of World War II at that time, it might not have sat as well. Right. Uh, let's talk about the effects, because you thought everything was going to be cheesy. Yeah, it was actually really good. Yeah, what kind of stuff impressed you? I'm not sure. Like the miniature work? Yeah. Pretty neat, eh? The, uh, so it's, I mean, Godzilla's made up of a bunch of various different techniques. I actually wrote down a few notes so I'd be reminded, I would remember to uh, to share them with you properly when we did this. Um, I mentioned that this was the most expensive film, right? At the time, yeah. I think I mentioned that when we were first talking. Uh, this is also nominated for Best Picture. It was not for in, in not in uh, Oscars. the Oscars, but like the Japanese Oscars. It was. I don't think it won though. It lost to it lost to Seven Samurai. Right. Which yeah, I, I understand that. 
Seven Samurai is pretty hard to beat. Yeah. Um, the uh, is the first film that was storyboarded from beginning to end because of the the way they wanted to do all that those shots. So mm. they had well they had to store they had to, they had to figure because they had to build everything right. Right. And if they're only going to see this much of a building for a miniature, why would you build any more of it, right? Mm. So they just built exactly what they were going to see in the frame. Uh, the uh, There's a bunch of stories about the... There was two different actors that played Godzilla because the actor inside kept on passing out from... It was 200 pounds and they didn't know... It wasn't like today where they know how to like feed oxygen into the, the suit and keep the person breathing. Like The, the, the actors that play Godzilla both lost 20 pounds in sweat. Can you imagine? The suit was like 200 pounds. And then eventually they, they sawed it in half and then so that way when you just see the shots of like the bottom of Godzilla the actor's walking around without it all, with, with the top half off because it was just too hot. So that's why there's a couple full body shots. They, they got enough of those but then after a while they realized we just have to frame it a bit differently and only show the top half of Godzilla or the bottom half of Godzilla because it was too much right. for the actors to be in that suit the whole time. It was... Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. But also, it was a 200-pound suit. I mean, those guys probably didn't even weigh 200 pounds, right? Right. you imagine trying to move something the size of you? That's yeah. on top of you? Yeah. Um, I, what I What I really loved about this, too, is I love that the ending isn't played for, like, this big joyous, like, yeah, let's Godzilla. It's sad. Like, the whole thing is right. steeped in sadness. We're going to see Daddy. Oh, that moment, we talked about this on the other episode, the other podcast we did for this, but that moment when in the middle of the destruction of Tokyo, when it just dollies in on this mom holding three children, she says, we're going to go see, we're going to be where daddy is soon, right? Yeah. Here's the thing, the movie doesn't tell you where daddy is. What's the assumption? That daddy's dead? Yeah, daddy's dead. Ugh. So bleak. So very bleak. Uh, so does this make you want to watch more? Yeah. I'll tell you, I've only seen the next one in the series. Yeah. It's not better. <laughs> the next one came out six months later. That, they cranked it out because this movie was such a hit that they uh, they cranked it out. So the script is not anywhere near as good. It felt like... I My theory was that they actually took a movie that existed and then just found a way to work a Godzilla story into it and just shot Godzilla stuff. Hey, what was the movie? Uh, it's called uh, Godzilla Raids Again. No, I mean, like, what was the movie that they did? I don't know. That's my theory. It just feels like that's what they did. But, uh, but you sh- I mean, you can watch it. We have them all at home now. Right. Uh, but, uh, but I'm, but you want to watch more of them? Yeah. Are you going to watch the American version? Sure. Do you want to do that? I've already seen it. I don't need to rewatch that. It's not amazing, but it's fascinating. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on another podcast. I might have came back at the end, but they basically took um, Raymond Burr, an American actor. They took the footage from this movie and completely redesigned it uh, and and made it like an American reporter coming in. Uh, And so, like, all of our main characters are not in the story. Uh, Well, they're there, but they're used very sparingly. Uh, And... uh, and it's like he—it's almost like Forrest Gump esque, where he's—he's he's kind of like interacting with scenes that he's not in. It's bizarre. It's interesting to watch, especially if you right. just watch this one. So I encourage you, Ephraim, if you're if you're up early tomorrow and looking for something to watch, pop it in and watch the first like half hour, and see if it interests you. Uh, the, for those who have a subscription to the Criterion Channel, you uh, this as well as that 
special feature of the American version are on the channel. So you could actually check that out yourself. It's pretty fascinating to watch. Um, are all of them on? I think most of the set is on the Criterion channel. Uh, But I'm going to watch them at home on our big screen because that's how you watch a Godzilla movie, man. All right. Any other any other thoughts? That that the that them trying to electrocute Godzilla um, totally backfired. Yeah. Well, I mean, Godzilla was made by radiation. What do they think like, a little bit of electricity is going to do? Make him stronger. Yeah, that's just it. You know, they, you got to be really careful how you fight Godzilla. <laughs> So, uh, I, I the love... The noises that he makes, that's like a dinosaur noise. Yeah! It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Like, I love the, the oxygen destroyer concept of how they destroy Godzilla, but I also love that they bake into this movie the, the scientist who creates it, destroying it so that nobody else can use it again. Because, really, that's the kind of thing, if you drop that into random water and kill all the fish around there, that's bad. Like, that's not a good thing for that, that city or that country, Right. So the beauty of that is when you have a sequel, the scientist who made it is dead. All the research is gone. You can't do that again. Yeah. Right. So that's what that's where I love how this this film ends on such a such a bleak note. It's it's fascinating. All right. Well, thanks for watching it with me. I really enjoyed watching it with What's you. What's the third one called? Is it like Godzilla I can't remember. Versus? It's one. I think it does bring in the other monsters there. Oh well, Godzilla Raids again has has another monster in it. I can't remember the name of it though offhand. I did that episode of the podcast as well with the uh, the owner of Unobstructed View, who is the Criterion Channel's um, Canadian counterpart. They sell oh, Criterion. Oh, that guy who gave it to you? The guy. The very fine gentleman who gave me the box set. So now the rest of this podcast will be, be diving in. So so come back. Uh, I'll be right back in mere moments with the uh, the next movie in this in this series. Although I'm not gonna rewatch Godzilla Raids again because I I do not need to watch that movie again. Uh, I'll be back. So the next movie in this series was uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. I wasn't expecting that mashup to come this early. I, I hadn't looked at the list, um, and now I'm tempted to look at it again, but I don't want to. I uh, I just kind of want to let these things hit me as they come. Wow, what a fascinating thing. So um, the version I have that was included with this Criterion release is the U.S. re-edit. Uh, of the movie, so apparently the original Japanese version was much more of a satire. It's also directed by the original uh, director of the the Japanese original film, Ishiro Honda. Um, so that made me really excited that he was coming back, but then I, I, I found out that they had had this American director named Thomas Montgomery who uh, also uh, came in and basically they, they recut all that kind of stuff out and they put all this American broadcaster stuff in, which helps thread the narrative together, but it's kind of <laughs> vacant. Uh, and and the stuff that uh, Honda was really interested in was the human drama, which I guess was mostly cut out, and the stuff that he hated about this was how they treated the the monster fights. Because, um, and so, but that's what we're left with. So, I'd love to at some point track down the original Japanese version of this to see what, uh, what Honda 
had uh, originally intended. So since uh, the last one came out, I guess wrestling in, in Japan had exploded. And so um, that's why we get the treatment of the fighting the way we do here with the, the monsters and probably in subsequent films. This definitely, I think, becomes the template for what the next uh, swath of Godzilla films ends up being with all these these team-ups and these fights between different monsters. Also, in the years since Godzilla raids again, Toho had started to produce a bunch of other um, monster films like uh, Rodan and uh, Varen and Mothra, and uh, Honda was involved in those as well. So, uh, so you know, he knows the formula, this format, and it's been you know kind of shifting away from the nuances of his original. Sadly. This was released for the 30th anniversary of Toho Studios. Um, they put a, and they also, it was the same year that they did a sequel for Kurosawa's Yojimbo, uh, Sanjiro. So they were trying to, like, um, you know, celebrate the 30 years they, they'd had in cinema. I mean, the, the film um, moves along at a clip. We got our first sight of Godzilla 15 minutes into the movie. Uh, I gotta say, the miniatures in this one are not great. I think the old, the the black and grainy black and white really helps hide the mistakes, but here they just really look like toys. Uh, and it's never so bad as at the very end when King Kong is clutching that guy's sister. And the, the close-ups are great. I like the acting of King Kong trying not to fall asleep. But then as soon as it cuts out to a wider shot where... The woman's in Godzilla's hand. First of all, the the size of her is way wrong compared to how he, she was in previous shots where she's comped in. But second of all, it's not even moving. It's just cl- very clearly some kind of like shitty toy that the that the Godzilla uh, actor is holding. So yeah, so the miniatures in this are not great, uh, which is too bad because it makes the film goofier than it needs to be. Although the acting is a bit over the top anyway, especially from the, the dude that owns the pharmaceutical company and they need a monster to help with television sales. I don't quite get that. And then that guy is shocked when uh, when Japan has a problem with bringing, God, King, uh, bringing King Kong to Tokyo. <laughs> anyway, that just killed me. I thought it was interesting that they instantly knew who Godzilla was, though it doesn't seem like they referenced uh, the previous movies or Destruction of Japan or what's happened since. So I don't know if this is meant to stand on its own or if it's meant to be part of the other series. It's not quite clear. Uh, That stuff on the island with the natives, uh, I'm almost entirely sure that's Japanese people doing some version of blackface, which was very disturbing. Uh, the beat where they just hand all the natives cigarettes to appease them was bizarre and crazy, especially when they give it to the kid and the kid's mom looks like she's upset, but she just wants one for herself. The The comp work is decent, especially when, when Kong passes out and they're dancing around him. It's not bad for the time era. Uh, I wonder if naming the island Faroe Island wasn't a nod to Bergman uh, to some extent, because, you know, Bergman lived on a uh, an island called Pharaoh. I'm going to, in my own head, I'm going to say that's what it was. The first fight between them is super lame. It's not great. It's kind of really underwhelming. It just results in kind of them standing at the edge of frame and, and Kong's throwing rocks at him while Godzilla's trying to burn him. 
And that's really all that happens. It's super lame and underwhelming. Uh, the second fight's pretty great. It's fun. I mean, again, they're they're doing uh, this uh, wrestling style fighting here because of the the popularity of wrestling in Japan at the time, and so it's a bit silly and goofy. And uh, and the ending is anticlimactic. I mean, Godzilla just kind of disappears into the water. We're not entirely sure if he's dead. Uh, and then Kong just swings swims off to go home, which I like that. I like that Kong's like Kong is like I'm done. I got a place where. I don't destroy things. The people treat me well. I got my little magic berry juice that I like. Uh, so Kong is kind of the hero in this one, I guess. And Godzilla just falls back into the ocean to reemerge uh, another day. Probably the following year. Uh, I am going to look ahead and see what the next movie is. I lied. Oh, it's Mothra. Yeah, and it comes out the next year. Oh, there's two that came out in the next year. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I dug this. It's fun. It's cheesy. I will say the uh, the direction the films took this early on were not uh, necessarily as interesting or rewarding as watching that original Godzilla. But, uh, I mean, it's a hell of a lot of fun, too, so I'm going to keep up with it. So uh, so come back for, uh, for Mothra versus Godzilla. Actually, my bad. Uh, thanks to some lovely uh, person on Letterboxd, which is a great website. If you don't know about it, it's a, it's a place where you can keep track of all the movies you watch. You can uh, see what other people think of movies, see where to find movies to watch, and, uh, and leave reviews and rate them. Uh, it's really cool and nerdy because you can also just get a, a sense of your own uh, history and also uh, in a, how, how many genre films you watch how many films by each director and and the most popular actors for you. Anyway, someone on there saw that I posted a review about watching this and my annoyance that I had seen the U.S. version. And they said, well, actually, if you have the Criterion box set, the Japanese version is on uh, the last disc as a bonus feature. So I just watched it. And it's way better than the U.S. version, I got to say. I don't know why they don't use that. As the, as the primary version of this film in this set, but here we are. Yeah, the TV subplot actually makes sense in this version. It doesn't play as ridiculous. It's definitely satirical, but it doesn't play as just outright goofiness. The, the acting seems more subdued for some reason in the original language. Uh, and then setting up for Faroe Island makes more sense now, too, and, and it gives more a sense of, like, it's their fault that kind of shit goes down. Uh, although Godzilla still appears that I know. I guess they're just they're just observing what's going on. Godzilla's waking up no matter what. Uh, there's much more mystery in the setup of everything. And, and this shows way more restraint than the U.S. version. There's no actual monster setting until 25 minutes in, which is about 10 minutes later than the U.S. version. Uh, Kong is referred to uh, just as an evil spirit for, for the book. First bulk of the film. I don't know when they start referring to Miss Kong or why. Uh, yeah. I also like that they make sense of why Godzilla would return to Tokyo and Japan in this one, and why they think he's definitely going to come back. Uh, their their uh, reasoning being that he's an animal that has a homing instinct, and they return to their habitats, and because he's been here before, uh, that's why he's come back. That makes sense to me. 
Uh, I can't remember what the reason in the U.S. version was. Uh, I think I don't remember the, the the octopus fight or the octopus bit in the U.S. version. I'm sure it's there to some extent, but it seemed much more interesting in this version. Uh, watching Kong fight the octopus uh, that was a lot of fun. This version makes Japan look way smarter too. They decide not to attack Godzilla because they say it's like firing into a volcano. They just want to see what he'll do. Um, uh, the setup to Godzilla's aversion to electricity and how uh, Kong is strengthened by it feels way more natural and organic here. Uh, the the last fight, I don't know if it's any different. I don't think it is, but it's it's so much fun. It's ridiculous and and so much way. It's just really great. Uh, the very ending is, is still overwhelming. I mean, it seems like the best part of the fight takes place underwater, and we don't get to witness it. And then we're just left with Godzilla having disappeared to to reemerge another day, and Kong, uh, you know, heading back to his home island. It's presumed uh, for a potential future matchup between these two titans, uh, and they they leave us on the line that we must learn from them. And learn to adapt to our surroundings. Uh, so yeah, this is a much superior version of this movie. So if you have the Godzilla set, you definitely want to check this one out. I'm not sure if the Criterion website, the the streaming service, includes the Japanese version. But it's, it's far superior and much more worth watching than the U.S. version. If you get your hands on it. All right. So now, without further ado, now that I was able to cleanse my palate with the, the okayness that was the U.S. Kong vs. Godzilla, now we will actually head into Kong vs. Uh, Mothra, I believe it is. So I just finished uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla. Holy shit, that was a ton of fun. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. It felt like the movie knew exactly what it was and what it wanted to be and was just kind of an enjoyable ride from top to beginning. Uh, I read somewhere that it, it was more geared towards children, and, and it works. It really, really does work, uh, just in terms of being kind of silly and goofy, but just a ton of fun, like I said. So by this point, um, I'm going to say the name wrong, the term wrong in Japanese, but it's like the Kiro or something like that. That's the name they have for the monsters that they uh, that are in these movies. And so I guess Mothra was had a movie of their own in 1961. And so here it is three years later, and they decided uh, the movie did very well, and so they decided to pair them up with... Uh, their their biggest monster in their franchise, which is Godzilla. And I guess that's what happens throughout these. Um, I just know the Godzilla ones. I'm not familiar with the others, independent of that. Um, but looking into it, it seems like Mothra was quite a big deal. I mean, apparently Mothra appears in 11 Godzilla films in total. So spoiler on that. Uh, and has a trilogy of its own somewhere in the 90s. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think up until this time, this was definitely the best done in terms of the creature effects. They're still silly as hell. I mean, by today's standards, of course. 
but you know the the characters are pretty articulate they're moving around the wire work is pretty solid really um the larvae aren't great the little baby things that come out of uh out of mothra or the egg i guess which we assume is mothra's egg um, it's just more of the pinchers or whatever, the stuff that's spraying the, the foam. It just looks like an, a, <laughs> a nozzle on a hose. Um, concealed well enough, but that's the only thing that kind of bothered me about that. But other than that, the, the creature effects are pretty solid for this movie uh, compared to the, what, what came just before this. Uh, yeah, once you get past how kind of ridiculous some of this movie is, uh, like the the little pixie humans, which in the in the Criterion booklet are just called small beauties, from Infant Island. I mean, I guess that's part of the Mothra movie, and so they're just taking that over from that. And so audiences were ready and willing for that. But as someone who knew nothing about that, that messed me right up. I, that was just all sorts of bonkers to me. These little weird pixie people that just happened to exist in this world. I mean, we're getting away from kind of the groundedness that the original Godzilla had, so I guess that's okay. Um, again, we've got, like, humans being shitty, and, of course, they buy the Mothra egg that they want to use to exploit for a profit. The thing that kills me is they build this tent with the idea of building this theme park around it. That tent's pretty small. It's basically just a little bit bigger than the egg is, so they don't expect this thing to grow once it whatever it is hatches. It's a it's a bit crazy. I guess the one thing that I was a bit disappointed by was there was this moment near the beginning of the movie where they mentioned that the the larva once it hatches will um attack until it finds food and then it'll just head back to Infant Island. But we never see that. Uh, it's searching for food. Uh, it just kind of becomes a good guy right away and goes after Godzilla, which is kind of a missed opportunity. I love their fight with Godzilla when they're biting his tail and he's freaking out. That was that was great for me. Uh, yeah, those pieces were all great. I mean, the stuff with the humans is fine. It works. But all of the, the set pieces with the, the monsters fighting this was super enjoyable. Uh, so, yeah, this was fun. Uh, the next one, I'm not going to pronounce this properly, is uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. So come back for that. Or just, you know, keep listening. We'll be right back. say this wrong but i just finished Ghidorah, the three-headed monster i believe that's how you pronounce this crazy thing's name again we're back you know i think this is what we're getting for the rest of the series we're getting uh basically godzilla as kids movies and that's okay i mean that totally makes sense given that they're giant monster costumes so you know i can sign up for that I like that they start off with almost like a preview at the beginning of the movie with, uh, you know, quick flash fights between Rodan. Rodan? Yeah. Rodan and Godzilla. Uh, but that is a goddamn hour 
before we get any more monster fights. And all we're left with really is some bonkers um, assassination plot of this random princess who uh, something infiltrates her brain and makes her jump out of a plane just before it explodes. How the hell she survives the jump, I don't know. There's no explanation for it. We don't see a parachute or shit. So I don't know how the hell she survives, but I guess that's just what this kind of movie is. So I love the connection to Mothra. So apparently this movie is getting rushed to theaters just uh, eight months after Mothra vs. Godzilla because uh, Kurosawa's film Redbeard was delayed and they needed something for a December release. And so uh, Mothra was reused. Godzilla, I guess it was the only time, or the first time anyway, that the Godzilla suit was reused. And so if you really look at it, there's some wear and tear on that thing. I didn't really notice. Uh, it still looks fun and awesome. But it's the same suit as the last film, which apparently wasn't something they did too often. I like that Mothra hasn't like fast-tracked and become a grown-up right away, that it's still in its larva state. Uh, really sad that its uh, twin died. And there's only one of them, though I guess that makes sense. So that way they only have to deal with one Mothra at a time. Uh, we get the creepy pixie infants back again. And uh, and find out that they can call Mothra at will by just singing a really long song. Honestly, we did not need that song to be nearly as long as it was. Nor do we need to hear it twice. I guess the film is trying to set it up so that we understand that Mothra can be called. I don't know. I, I'm just going to accept anything in a movie like this. You don't need to give me that song twice. Why did it take an hour to get us into a, a, a monster fight? That's ridiculous in a movie like this. I mean, I guess they're saving it all for the end. And, you know, the assassination story is kind of interesting. But, man, it's just it, it takes its time. So... I guess the movies had to be a certain length, and they're just drawing it all out. But once that fight kicks in, god damn, it's fun. Um, Rodan and, and Godzilla fighting is super fun. Just, I mean, the inventiveness of how they have these monsters fight each other is pretty great. Um, Mothra shows up to try to talk these two out of fighting each other. I guess that makes sense why the Pixie Twins can, can speak Mothra-in, or whatever the language is called. So that it can understand what these monsters are saying to each other. I mean, the fact that these monsters stop and have a pretty civilized, in-depth, intelligent conversation is kind of bonkers to me. But okay. Um, I like Godzilla's reasoning that there's no reason to help the humans because the humans are bullies to them. Seems like Godzilla's being a bit extreme Given uh, how he shows up and basically destroys cities for no reason. So he's, he doesn't have much of a leg to stand on in, in terms of that moral argument. But okay. Uh, but then it's kind of interesting. Mothra's like, you know what? Screw you dudes. I'm going to go fight this thing on my own. Clearly Mothra is out outmatched by uh, Ghidorah. Who's a pretty awesome lightning throwing space monster alien. I did like that quick little fight bit before I forget with Rodan 
and Godzilla throwing a rock back and forth and just basically ping-ponging it back and forth, playing volleyball with it until it hits Godzilla in the head. That was fun. Uh, I liked Mothra getting their attention by spraying them and then Rodan kind of laughing and then getting sprayed. I mean, there's some fun goofiness going on inside this movie in the monster sequences. I just want more of it and earlier on, really. It's kind of awesome that the monsters come to Mothra's help when they see Mothra clearly getting its ass kicked and going to be electrocuted the hell to death. Uh, that fight sequence is great. Just the way they team up and they're and they're combining their powers the way uh, um, that Mothra piggybacks on top of Rodan so he can get a higher vantage point to, uh, to spray Ghidorah while... Uh, Godzilla just pummels it. But then the thing just flies away. I guess they don't want to kill any of these monsters at this point. They just want to save them all to be able to come back at will whenever they want to for another movie. Uh, It'd be interesting at some point if we see some monsters dying. But uh, they're definitely not interested in that at this point in the franchise. You know, the monster fights and all the special effects are pretty great in this. You know, they're doing a, a, a super solid job, especially Ghidorah, just the way that neck is moving and, and flying around. So much fun. It ends on kind of a weird note. It just kind of stops. We don't know if these two are going to start fighting again or if they're going to go their separate ways. We just see Mothra heading home to, you know, I'm assuming turn back into a Mothra-esque creature. We'll find out, I guess. So next up is Invasion of Astro Monster. Oh, man. This poster spoils so much. That's in the the amazing Godzilla Criterion book. Looks like we get Ghidorah back. I'm excited. Stick around. I'll be right back. Alright, I just finished Invasion of the Astro Monster. Um, It's a misleading title. Let me just say that. This is the first time in many films where the humans have kind of taken the center stage, which is really refreshing, because leading up into this, for the last couple films, the last two particularly, it's really just been the humans in a weak storyline to get us some awesome, fun monster fights. So it's really nice for Honda to return here with kind of a story. Not kind of a story, a real story. Uh, that has really great twists and turns and reversals. And it's kind of about human nature. And it's great. It's really, really interesting. Um, and what I mean by it's misleading is the Astro Monster is not uh, an alien. Dastro Monster is... Well, I guess it's an alien. They're called Z-Aliens. It's X-I... It's basically alien. So, uh, Z-Aliens, maybe, is how you pronounce it. They're the monsters, because uh, Ghidorah is the is the monster that returns. It's, it's Ghidorah, Rodan, and Godzilla again. So, no new monsters in this movie, which is fine, because how they use them here is really interesting and unique. And gives us a nice reset on the monsters since they kind of teamed up to take to to help Earth last time, which seemed like a bizarre uh, construction of how they they handled that. But uh, sure, we'll uh, we'll allow it. 
there's some bonkers stuff going on here. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie, despite the fact that I figured out pretty early on what was going on and the double cross that was coming uh, from the Zelians, who uh, basically asked to borrow Godzilla and Rodan to defeat Ghidorah uh, in exchange for the cure for cancer. I mean, maybe first do a little test and see if this cure works before you give up your your two creatures. I don't even know why they think on what authority they have to give away these two monsters and let them be taken away, but they do, which I guess is good because what happens is is the humans suffer for it. It's like they had no right letting Godzilla and uh, Rodan be taken away, so they kind of get their just desserts for making that choice uh, out of the greed of solving cancer. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're getting money or power. They're trying to ser- solve one of the world's greatest problems in in medicine. So uh, anyway, I guess the humans are being punished for that, which, sure, I'll take that. There's so much ridiculousness going on. I can't believe they send only a, two, a crew of two people to this new planet uh, to investigate it for the first time. But sure, we'll, uh, we'll believe that. I love that the the Zaliens, too, are basically just Japanese people who look and speak Japanese. I mean, not similar to how we would use just English-speaking Caucasian aliens in some of our sci-fi films, I'm sure. So the first fight we really have is about halfway into the movie, um, and uh, and it wins triumphantly with them taking down Ghidorah in a false victory. Uh, but then, <laughs> because the gravity is different here, when, when Godzilla beats beats him uh he does this jump and he gets to do this awesome hang time uh so anyway apparently honda the director did not like this kind of shit at all in the godzilla movies uh, he didn't like his little human cutesy antics and he was quoted to say i did not create godzilla for this um interesting that he was not involved in the series for the next two films i feel like he needed a break. They wanted a break from him complaining about shit like this. So that makes sense. I could pick apart a lot of the plot holes and the stuff in this movie. There's plenty of weird things, like why the aliens give them 24 hours to get their shit together and let the humans decide whether they'll be conquered or not. Uh, but it's not worth it. What I will say is the double crosses are really fun and spectacular, and the, the storyline is really interesting and engaging and strong. The monster fights are really fun. The way that Rodan and Godzilla continue to team up against uh, Ghidorah is really, really fun. And uh, and it's nice because it's basically the same fight we saw earlier already in the movie. So it's nice to see, not in the movie, but in the series. So it's nice to see them continuing to find new ways to make these monsters fight together. And I like that they've using kind of like brain control on these monsters to make them go against the humans again. It's a nice reset in a way that doesn't necessarily betray what happened in the last movie, but it it gives it a reset in a way that we can buy. Apparently they reused footage from both Rodan and Godzilla movies uh, for the destruction sequences to save some money. Sure, I buy that. Uh, I love that Rodan uses his wings and flaps them really hard and causes like uh, these giant wind gusts which destroy towns just with wind. That's pretty fun. Godzilla saves Rodan after the mind control 
goes away and he boxes Ghidorah. It's kind of it's super ridiculous that he just starts boxing him and he's not and it's like he starts boxing him you're like oh he's just punching him but it's clearly he's taking a boxer stance. He even does like the footwork, which is the really bizarre part, which is a bit maybe too much. But uh, I mean, yeah, we'll let it go. So Ghidorah again flies away with his tails, tails between his legs. I think I didn't notice in the previous outing that he had two tails. So that was fun to to see here. And of course he does. He has uh, three heads. He should have three tails, I guess. But two, two will do. We're left not knowing the fate of of Godzilla and Rodan. We know Godzilla comes back for sure. I assume Rodan comes back. There's a movie coming up in the series called uh, Destroy All Monsters and All Monsters Attack. So I'm just assuming those movies are designed to get as many monsters in the film as humanly possible. So yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this. It was kind of refreshing to have the, the human story come in and take center stage again. So next up is, I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, Ibera, Horror of the Deep. I'm assuming something's coming from the depths of the sea. That'd be fun. All right, so that was Ibera, Horror of the Deep. I think I'm saying that name right. I might not be. Uh, Let me know if I'm not. This film was so much fun. Uh, We have a changing of the guard. The director has uh, shifted up. Uh, Also, I think they they swapped out the the technical director, the the overall uh, technical director. So Ishiro Hondo is gone, um, sadly. Uh, But you know what? It it, it brings about it a... uh, kind of a refreshing new take on it and what's really nice is the last couple films have seemed to really wanted to escalate in scale up until the point where they're in outer space you know it it does what all the film series do at one point where it's like what have we done let's go to outer space so what this film just takes it down to a really small intimate story of just this fishing boat uh, of this guy that is looking for his brother and gets trapped on an island. And the island uh, is being, you know, uh, controlled to some extent by this Ibera creature that keeps the, the boats at bay. Um, and uh, and it just so happens, luckily, Godzilla has been attracted by the radiation on this island and is, you know, taking a long winter's nap underneath it. But we don't discover that till way deep into the movie. But, you know, we don't have armies here. We don't have countries fighting uh, intergalactic other countries. It's just people on an island, and it's delightful because of that. I really enjoyed the smaller-scale personal story. It didn't feel any less small, because all we really want is an awesome monster battle from this film. At, At the very least, that's all we want, and we get it. So we finally, after quite a while, have a new monster, uh, Ibera, which is the sea creature, uh, and he is kind of awesome. He gets this amazing introduction in the middle of this storm, uh, where you just see this giant friggin' claw, first thing, uh, and attacks this boat. They survive, go to an island, 
and, and then realize they're not by themselves. And uh, and Mothra is not too far off. Uh, I think Mothra's on the same island, but maybe on the other side. Uh, either way, nearby. And, uh, you know, the pixie people are trying to conjure Mothra to wake up and get ready to go. And Mothra's no longer a, a larva. It has now uh, taken on its, its full true form since the last time we saw Mothra. So that's exciting to have our, our full Mothra-type creature back. And then the humans at one point get the idea that they should wake up Godzilla. Because, of course, they have to. Uh, this is a film where Godzilla is our, our hero to some extent. Apparently, this film was originally developed as a vehicle for King Kong. Which kind of makes sense of a lot of the stuff. Um, yeah, his fighting style. I mean, it's not un-Godzilla-esque. Uh, but it works very much for Kong as well. Man, the first time that Ibera and Kong, and Kong, Godzilla see each other. And they just do that typical thing where they throw a rock back and forth at each other. But this time it's super fun. We have uh, King Godzilla is just like headbutting it. And Ibra is smashing it back with his claw. And then uh, Godzilla gets one stuck in his claw. And that's super fun. Just really, really enjoyed that. We get this crazy uh, sequence with what's like Hawaiian music, kind of. Where <laughs> Godzilla starts taking down all these fighter jets. It's just bonkers and a lot of fun. The whole film's got this really great quick pace that I really, really enjoyed. The final fight between Godzilla and Ibera is just fantastic. Godzilla rips his claw off. It's amazing. I guess the only real disappointment of this film is Mothra is just... He just basically comes... Or me, he, or she. I don't know uh, the gender. It was twins, and they don't really specify if it's a he or she. So let's just say Mothra. The creature uh, is, you know, it doesn't have a huge story. It just basically appears as a as a really overdone cameo that, you know, they come in and they save a lot of people from the island. But uh, I mean, you probably could have cut Mothra out of this film and it would have been OK outside of just pure fan service. I really enjoyed this. I gotta say, uh, you know, of these first, how many films is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven films of this 15 film series. I'm, I've been having a ton of fun. None of them have been really unwatchable by any means. I've been a little bit shocked by how much I've enjoyed them. I expected them to get far cheesier and, cr- and crazier and weirder in a bad way by this point. But so far, so good. Really enjoying it. And, uh, and I can't wait to dive back in. So, uh, so this is the end of my part one of this series. I will be back in the upcoming weeks or uh, maybe a couple, maybe a month or so before I get around to part two. But please come back and tune in for that. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.